to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me in studio as three series have finally come to an end after an exciting comeback down 3-1. The same story across the board. The team up 3-1 takes the series in seven games. The Dallas Stars, the eliminate the Colorado Avalanche, the Vancouver Canucks, downed by the Vegas Golden Knights and of course the Islanders move on to the conference finals for the first time since 1993 by defeating the Philadelphia Flyers 1993 that's a long time to not go to the conference finals yeah uh, that's, that's I mean what 27 years good on the Islanders that's, I mean, wow yeah I would not if you had asked me like preseason or even like middle of the season and said, hey, you know, uh, Dallas Stars, Islanders, they're going to go to the conference finals on both sides. I mean, yeah, we could see a Dallas Stars, New York Islanders, Stanley Cup I final. would n- never. <laughs> ne- that would be the most boring series ever, I feel like. The NHL would absolutely hate that. Yeah, on the flip side, a Tampa Vegas final is like exactly what most people predicted. Right. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we kind of get the... Uh, you know who who will go, and and we'll talk a little bit about those those series in a little bit. But uh, we are going to run down the off season. I guess an off season preview for the Colorado Avalanche, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, as they have all been eliminated. And if you haven't listened to our uh, our previous off season previews for a bunch of these teams who have been eliminated, you can go back, subscribe to the show wherever you're listening, and uh, you can listen to those. So let's start with. The most, I guess, probably the one team that lost that I think many people had as winning this series, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Probably the biggest surprise of these three teams to lose, albeit the Dallas Stars certainly deserving and good enough to go to the conference finals. But uh, I think Colorado was, I don't know, they were kind of the they were the ball. The, the bell at the ball. You know, we wanted to see them move on because of who was on their team and Nathan McKinnon. Was, absolutely unbelievable it's sad that he's no longer in the playoffs but uh dallas played the uh the crazy team game and uh we find the avalanche eliminated and for the second year in a row I th- they meant the second round last year too right yeah yeah so second year in a row eliminated in the second round and now they have to figure out a way to kind of get over that hump uh not a lot in, in terms of like significant players. There's not a lot uh, where certain guys have to get get re-signed. I mean, Nemesnikov's a UFA. He had a nice game seven. Uh, not a bad series against the Dallas Stars, but I don't think he's a huge priority to bring back as as a free agent. But the rest of the team is is for the most part locked up. Other than Landis Cog, who has got one year left on his deal, is going to be looking for an extension and. Uh, Chances are he's going to want a race, a pretty good race. I don't know about good. I mean, you might get close to seven. seven. Yeah. So what what do you think this team needs to do in order to kind of get over this hump? I think, honestly, there's there's two key areas and one that affected them the most. Obviously, we know they had a lot of injuries, right, going into this. Yeah. What are you going to you do? Know, yeah. It happens, right? But I think it kind of exposed some weaknesses and exposed their youth a little bit, right? And so when I look at the biggest need for me is finding a guy on the back end. And maybe you look at a veteran guy, an older guy, um, you know, maybe a guy you can put in your five, six, seven spot, but a guy who is more of like a defenseman's defenseman. 
and not necessarily an offensive guy because they have a lot of those guys on this team already with McCarr, you know, Bowen, these young kids that are coming in that can play that already, that can move their feet and skate. But, you know, when Eric Johnson went out and got injured, yep. they were exposed on the penalty kill. They were exposed to, you know, like, for instance, Kale McCarr, who partners with him quite often, you know, his running gun sort of style, his up and down the ice, you know, Dallas kind of took advantage of because there was nobody back there to cover for him. Yeah. And to me, that's that's the biggest area of need that I would like to see them focus on this offseason. And then the second for me is maybe finding, you know, a backup goaltender, a veteran, a guy who has in the past been a starter, but maybe can take on a bigger workload if, for instance, you know, Grubauer gets injured or should they, you know, have to go three goalies deep in the playoff sure, again. Sure. They can yeah. find a guy that can well, handle that. And it was funny going into that game seven my thought was this has to be the end of the Hutchinson domination. And it certainly was. Yes. Um, yeah. The one player who, uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple things that this, this abs team needs to do probably this off season. At least they're going to start the conversations. They have to resign Landis cog and maybe even more. So they have to resign Kale McCarr. And this is his last year of his his RFA uh, in this upcoming season. My expectation is that you know he's going to get Thomas Shabbat type of numbers, like eight million bucks for uh, per season for for the next seven years. That sounds That's about right yeah. for uh, for Kale McCarr. And with I guess and with the cap taking a little a little bit of a a little bit of a, a hiatus of increasing, that I think that number is probably right on. Like. He's, you're not going to pay him six or anything like no. you can't. So I, I I would think that they're going to be looking at that contract as like I mean yeah I mean he's he got what 44 points this year Thomas Shabbat and Kale McCarr is likely going to win Rookie of the Year. I mean 50 points in 57 games he had broke records in the playoffs for defenseman rookie defenseman and and getting assists him and Quinn Hughes just both going at it. So uh, I. I I don't see how basically a point per game defenseman isn't going to get at least eight million. Yeah, I I mean, look, you you've got he's a rookie, right? Like you, he's only getting better. What happens if I mean, maybe next year, maybe signing him at eight million is a deal. Like you want to get him signed to eight million as quick as possible. Oh, I think so. They would. What if he goes and gets ninety points next year? Well, I don't I don't see that. But I mean, it's he's not going a point per game. Yeah. If if he goes a point per game and slightly above it, you get if a defenseman gets eighty points, he's getting ten million bucks. Oh yeah, no, oh, I, I, I mean, look, Eric Carlson, right? He cashed in on it, eleven yep. million dollars. Yep. But I think if you're Kale McCarr, right? First off, you can look at Sam Gerrard's deal. He's getting five million dollars. So you're like, okay, this guy doesn't produce the way I do. You, he wasn't relied upon to be your number one like I was. So clearly, you've got oh, leverage yeah. and right and he's there. Twenty two years old, right? But I think more if the smarter play, if you're Kale McCarr, is to take a three-year deal, four-year deal at most, still go into RFA status, and then you can bank on the next one, and you can get that $11 million because that flat cap will be gone. Hopefully, the NHL will be that's, that's increasing the cap. So. That's a good point. Yeah, and then you could keep it down. You could probably sign them for $6 million if uh If they're if lucky. Six or seven for those but, those three years. Yeah, I would say $7 million would probably be a good way to – because, again, Colorado can fire back, too, and be like, listen, this was one year. You know, we haven't seen the consistency. We haven't seen multiple sure. years of doing this. But so. I mean, that's he does have next year. He could just play and not right. sign a contract. He could. But, but why? You know, if somebody's going to hand you eight million bucks, well, if he gets injured or has exactly, a shitty you year, don't wanna, you don't want to risk that. So you just take yeah. right. Um, 
Yeah, the other the other thing I'd say about this team was, you know, they tried to address that lack of depth throughout their lineup, bringing in Kadri, bringing in Donskoy. Uh, Donskoy to a lesser, like, he didn't, to me, make a huge impact to this team. And uh, Kadri certainly did. I think that, you know, if he can stay healthy all year long, he, he he's in a pretty good spot to, to be able to do well. Uh, three goals in, in the nine playoff games this year, but... Uh, or sorry, no, Don, Don Squay had three goals. I was like, Kadri <laughs> had more than three goals. Yes. I'm looking at Don Squay. Uh, nine goals, sorry, in the 15 games. More than a point per game. He was fantastic. I think this team needs to find some depth somewhere. And I know that they've got they've, they've got several young, really nice players coming up. Uh, but you're you're looking at you know, Kale McCarr, he's already he's already up here. You have to kind of fill out the rest of this roster. It doesn't seem as though Colorado has those guys coming on the offensive side, on the forward side, coming in to kind of fill out the rest of the lineup. And that, to me, is going to be the most interesting thing for the Avalanche. I mean, of course, Bowen Byram might come up next year, and, and that would uh, certainly make up for the loss of some of these lower – Tier defensemen like a Barbario and a Connaughton. I don't think you need to bring them back. No, nope, by Byram stepping into the line. I'm lineup, getting rid so. of them either way, anyways. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, there's a reason why, and I I keep hearing this name come up, and I would be interested to see, especially because he had I don't necessarily want to say a down year, but it wasn't as productive as his Hart Trophy season. But Taylor Hall's name keeps popping up, and if you can maybe get that guy, say. You know, maybe even seven million dollars. Luckily, if they could somehow convince him to take a couple bucks less to be like, "Hey, you're on a team that's going to come and win wow. for a long time." <laughs> wow, like, be... what a steal that would be! Kadri right? would be drooling, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. You finally have a, a complimentary winger. Yeah. Now you, I mean, you have Ranton on one line and Landeskog and you know Hall on another. Like that's disgusting. Yeah. the The other side of it is is the Avalanche going to take advantage of kind of the glutton of goalies available right now will they look to make a move with Grubauer becoming a UFA at the end of next year uh, Pavel Frankuz you could move him easily that's uh, the play to me is move him yeah yeah I, so, I say find sure. a team that wants a backup goaltender move him maybe to like Ottawa or something and, and they've got the cap space to be able to bring in anyone uh, yeah I would so. I would maybe target a Thomas Grice if I was Colorado, try to get him on your books. That'd be a great move. Three, four million dollars a season for Islanders like three steal years. your goalie and you still there. <laughs> right. That's the way to do it. Yeah, or maybe look to the New York Rangers and be like, hey, uh, Mr. Georgiev, you want to come over here and play? I, I just don't. I mean, the way that the Islanders do think, I mean, I think that they might, they'll probably try to resign Grice. Oh, I'm sure they want to. Sure. Yeah. Especially after his game seven. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> game seven. Yeah, a genius move to go to him. All right. Well, the the Avalanche have a little bit of work to do. I do think that some of it is like let Makar Im- improve just because that's what happens when you're freaking 21 years old. You get a little bit better. Uh, let Bo and Byram step into the lineup, and yeah, I you don't want to waste these McKinnon years though. No, that's you know the thing. you've got you do have quite a bit of time, but uh, you've got McKinnon at 6.3 for another three years, and once that's over. You know, once one, McKinnon will be what twenty eight years old, and assuming he's still going the way he's going right now, he's going to get fifteen million dollars. Yeah, like truly, on where truly, the cap goes. Like, if assuming the cap goes up, he's going to get 
I mean, Connor McDavid's at 12 and a half. He's going to get more than that in well, a UFA year. I mean, regardless, even if the cap doesn't really move much or if it stays flat, even at like that fourth year there, he's still got a good argument to get Connor McDavid money. Yeah, at a least. Very good argument. At so. least. Yeah. Where, I mean, yeah, McDavid's got another, uh, another six years left on his deal. So it'll be uh, at 12 and a half. You're going to look at that and you're going to go, all right, he's, he's more than halfway through his deal at 12 and a half and I've been just as good. Absolutely. I'm getting more. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that put at Mc, least McKinnon right up there, yeah, yeah. with McDavid, so. Yeah. All right, well let's let's move on to uh to the Vancouver Canucks. Probably the most unexpected team to have gone this far, especially considering their highest paid player is Louis Erickson. <laughs> oh, boy. Surprisingly enough, I, I don't know if... Uh, it's easy to forget that Louis Erickson is still going to be on the Canucks, making $6 million a year for another two seasons. Till he's 37 years old. Yeah, I wonder what the buyout would be at this point on that contract, but if yeah. they could save a few million bucks, yeah. it might be the time to do it. Save probably about $3 million a year, but then you're, you get extra years right. knocked on there, so I don't... But by no the time that, that those extra years roll around, you're hoping that the cap goes up, right? Yeah, I so. mean they've got 17 million in cap space. They of course have to. Um, I, I mean, I guess they don't really need to figure out their goaltending situation anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you'd be hesitant about going to Thatcher Demko. He was fantastic yeah. in those games. That's the only reason they went seven games. Yeah. I mean, the only reason they won three games in that series was goaltending. I mean, Markstrom obviously had the one amazing sure. game, yep. but yeah, I. Now, if you're Markstrom too, right, your leverage went down big time because Vancouver's like, okay, cool, we got this kid who just proved he can bring it in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, at least staying in Vancouver. I I think Markstrom probably is, I mean, he's not going to take less than four and a half, five. Oh, no, he'll get more than that. So he's going to go on the open market and you go go make your money somewhere, which is, I'm I'm sure, what he'll do. Uh, But then you have to decide. Michael DiPietro, do we want to do a, like a 1A, 1B and see how he does as a backup? Or are you going and, you know, trying to trying to pull in or just re-signing like a Louis Domingue or, you know, somebody who you can you can play alongside Thatcher Demko? I don't know if Demko is ready to play 60 games. I don't think you even want to get him there anymore. Like, that's just not how the NHL really works. You don't see too many successful teams with goalies who play just a ridiculous amount of games. So yeah, that, that'll be, that is the biggest question mark for the Vancouver Canucks. No, absolutely. I think if, if you decided now that maybe, you know, maybe negotiations and you're like, okay, Markstrom has sort of priced himself out to where we want or where we feel comfortable, especially because he is 30, right? If he wants eight years, I'm definitely not giving him eight years. (laughs) No, not you don't give any goalie eight years. No, absolutely not. Unless you're Carey Price. Right. (laughs) But I think if, if you do decide to move on from him, I think, like you mentioned, bringing in a guy who has experience being, you know, a starter who is a veteran guy. And like one name I look at is Cam Talbot, who I think would be a great addition. Showed he could bring in the playoffs this year too with Calgary. And he's a guy who can... Still, you know, is capable of playing 30, 40 games. He's been on every other Canadian team right. in the Pacific <laughs> Division. Why not? Why not bring Just him? Just stay. Over? Yeah. The I get the other two big question marks. Can they? Are they going to bring back Chris Tanev, who's been a, an important part of that top four, and uh, and a right-handed shot defenseman, which is they're hard to come by, and uh, he's already making four point four or five million. You know, he's probably due for a small raise. 
Uh, and then you also have to decide what you want to do with Tyler Toffoli. And Toffoli was really effective in the playoffs. He played very well for the Canucks in the regular season. Like He just seemed to fit there. Yeah, he complements uh, those top two lines yeah, very well, whichever pair. Very he's well, and I mean, I don't think you're you're looking more than four or five years ahead for a guy like Tyler Toffoli, just the, based on the way that he plays. But I think you can get him for about around the amount that he was previously signed for. Yeah, I, I, maybe oh, with a small raise, sure. five million bucks for five times five or something like that would. Be I would be okay at five reasonable. and a half with that guy right yeah. now. You know, it, assuming that he doesn't want a lot of term, right? Because obviously at 28, I'm not giving him more than four or five years at most. Well, it, just because of the way he plays. Sure. Like, if he were a more finesse guy, you wouldn't have a problem with it. But because he's, you know, a little throws his body around a little bit more, you're not. I would be d- concerned as to how well well he would do. But when you when you look at what he's been able to do the last few years, you got to put it all into perspective. You can't just go, all right, 10 games in the regular season, he had 10 points. That's great. Seven games in the playoffs, four points. Pretty solid. Uh, But you look back what he did with L.A., and I know L.A. plays a little bit different of a game, but he was still about a 40-point guy in the regular season, maybe 45. So you don't want to necessarily pay him five and a half for who knows, maybe 40 points. And and maybe maybe this is kind of a thing where he says, well, I'm going to take a flyer on myself and I'll sign for, for one year at four five million and see if I can't get more if I have a really good season this next year. But I think you he's a probably a guy who will go for some some term. Sure. Yeah. And then <laughs> I mean when you talk about the back end too, right? Tanev, I really like him. I loved his game for Vancouver. It fit very, very well. Like you talked about right handed D. But I think right now if you're Vancouver, the priority is getting Quinn Hughes to an extension because I think that'll dictate what a guy like Tenev can get. And what I mean by that is not necessarily what Tenev's going to be asking for, but what Vancouver's willing to spend on him. Because obviously if, you know, Quinn Hughes is going to cost you $8 million, you know, you've got obviously Tyler Myers signed at $6 million for a few more years, and he's really the only defenseman signed, you know, past next season. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I I would be okay with giving Tenev, you know, $5 million, give him that small raise, um, you know, because again, how important he was to your top four. But, the term, right? Maybe, you know, I only give him three years because, you know, we're, again, with the flat cap, it's a little bit harder to, you know, really determine where it's going to be, you know, in three, four years from now. So, yeah, I don't know how much of a raise he really gets yeah. at 4.4. He's a, he's a defensive defenseman. I mean, he, he's not going to score more than a couple goals and, and pick up, you know, 15, 15 ish assists. He's like a, he's a 20 point guy for the most part. Sure. Uh, don't see him really exceeding that. I mean, he had 20 points this last year, but uh, before that's his that's his best since 14, 15. So he, <laughs> he's not someone you're relying on to put it, get big points. So I don't think he'll command a lot of money. But yeah, if you know if you go three times five or four times five, I think that's somewhat reasonable for him. But when, and and also when you're when you're looking at a guy who doesn't put up a lot of points, you're not going to see as big of a decline because you're not worried about that part of right. his game. So you don't need to worry about how, I guess how, uh, how efficient he is in the offensive zone. You just want him to be able to keep his good positioning, his ability to block shots and just make that first pass out of the zone, which he's okay at. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
any other big things you see the Canucks? I mean, they got to still got to sign Jake Vertanen and Tyler Mott. They, they've got a few RFAs that they'll have to to throw some money at. They do have seventeen million dollars in cap space. So. Yeah, I think they'll get they'll get most of these guys signed, no problem. But more importantly for the Canucks, for me, it's all about just letting a lot of these young guys grow. You know, that experience was invaluable to them, and I think it's just only going to make them better for the next couple of years. Yeah, I I totally agree. And uh, Quinn Hughes is only going to get better, and we'll we'll see what uh, what the rest of this team can do. Is you know that I I'm my guess is they'll try to trade away Sven Barchi, who they buried in the minors again. That guy just can't seem to <laughs> to figure out his life. And remember, they also have Ole Ulevi, who was the first round pick for them several years ago, and uh, he hasn't been able to crack the lineup, but. I have, I mean, he had a pretty good season in the in the AHL leading up to this, and so I, I think Ole Levy maybe has a chance to make this roster next year, which would be huge, uh, given you know a couple of these guys that may may walk. Sure, especially if Tanev walks. Yeah, then then you're in a, a much better place. All right, uh, last but not least, the Philadelphia Flyers. Probably, I mean. The team to surprise us the most as far I mean, they were the number one seed yeah. <laughs> in these playoffs for the Eastern Conference. And I I wanna start with Claude Giroux because I think he probably took the biggest step backwards this year. I mean, we saw his his drift as a as a center. He moves to the wing. He has that hundred and two point season and eighty five point season. Uh, this last year, just 53 points in 69 games. In the playoffs, only one goal in those 16 games. He was playing on the third line at times. And that is, to me, the biggest question for this Flyers team at $8.275 million. What do you do with Claude Giroux? You can't do anything with him but keep him. Two years left on his deal. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to take a flyer on a guy like that at that price. If you uh, uh, ate $3 million bucks of it? Yeah, I don't know. Probably five not. million bucks for Claude Drew. Would you take Claude Drew for five million bucks? Yeah, I probably I certainly would. would. Yeah, I probably would. But would you take him for six? I'd take him for probably. six. Probably. Yeah. So I, I think that he does have. He certainly has some value. But I don't think you're going to get fair market return if you're Philly. So is it worth? Yeah. yeah. Getting rid of him at yeah. that can, point. Can he have another resurgence though? Yeah, I think <laughs> That's the so. question. I think he already had it. Yeah, I to me. I want to see him back at center, and whether or not that means he is playing third line center minutes, or if he's you know back on you know second line center, maybe you move Kevin Hayes down to the third line. Um, but to me, when I watch his game, right when he's when he's engaged, when he's you know m- mentally, physically engaged, and you know again, it's it's been you know what eight nine years since we saw him you know with those series against Sidney sure. Crosby where he was really physically engaged, you know. And he had, he had the offensive production go with it. But even just a couple of years ago, when he was still playing center and engaged, he was far more productive in my mind than he was on the wing because sometimes he just looks like he's just out there going through the motions. And I, I don't think until about halfway through the series we start to see him try to get a little bit more engaged, a little bit more, you know, back to the old Claude Giroux. Yeah. But, you know, again, too little, too late. Um, you know, and if you're paying a guy $8 million and you're only getting a point every other game, it's just... It's, it's very it's hard to beat terrible. the Islanders three times in a row. Right. Yeah. And and that same goes you know same goes for another guy who's making a ton of money and that's Jacob Voracek. And I tweeted out too. I I was when I was watching the game last night and I, I realized this after Andy Green scored. 
I looked it up just out of curiosity. Andy Green scored more goals in this series than Jack, Jacob Voracek did. That's terrible. Like, a little unlucky, but yeah. Sure, yeah, but I mean, Voracek isn't the huge goal scorer. No, but he's he, more the assist guy. But. He's got to produce. You know, I mean, you know, at eight million bucks. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what ultimately did the Flyers in. They just couldn't get their stars to perform on a consistent basis. It seemed like they'd go one, two games, especially even against Montreal, where they'd just be hot for one, two games, and then they just disappear. And then they'd get lucky and maybe get some production out of, you know, Travis Konechny or, you know, uh, you know the random JVR when he finally got in there for a game or two. But, yeah, he just didn't. He didn't look right. And and I'll, I, I, I would guess that there was there's something going on with him. Not sure, but. Now, I've already been hearing buyout or trade JVR already after a one year. Buyout, like he's got seven million nope. for the next three years. I don't know if you, do, I don't know if a buyout's the right direction, but I, I think I think you're going to give him another year to kind of figure himself out. I mean, remember last year he had 27 goals in 66 games, and then uh, and then he got hurt. He he's been okay. 19 goals in 66 games just this playoffs he just did not he didn't look right there's something going on I don't know what happened I but, hope so uh, a lot of times you know we find out at the end of all the playoffs we find out oh that guy he broke a foot <laughs> like and he was playing on it uh, so yeah there's there's those question marks I mean certainly the the top end of the Flyers payroll is undeserving of the amount of money that they're making like out of probably any team in the NHL, Van Riemsdyk, Hayes, Voracek, and Giroux are the the most overpaid four players on any team. Yeah, and the most underpaid on player any team. on any like, team is Sean Couturier. That maybe, so. maybe the only other team that can rival that kind of overpayment are the Detroit Red Wings, San Jose with, Sharks. Oh well, yeah, I'd throw Detroit in there with Franz Nielsen and Justin Abdelkader. Yeah, too, but but, Fra- but they're only making five five million and and, and producing like ten points. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. It's rough too, but I, I get I get what but, you're saying. And the wings yeah. are so bad though that it almost doesn't matter. Whereas the Flyers are. I mean, imagine if those players were producing, this Flyers team might be the best team in the league. <laughs> if those, good. If those guys are rolling. Uh, I mean, it was it was really a, a great team effort to get where they did, and Carter Hart shine like crazy. Now, there's there's your uh, your RFA. You got to resign Carter Hart, and there has not been very many young goaltenders to come out of their RFA, their uh, their ELC, and look at them and go, that guy deserves a big contract. There there aren't very many of them that no, I can that I can think of. The big example, and I think. Philly's going to use this looking right across the straight, the state at Pittsburgh and saying Matt Murray won two cups and they only gave him like three-ish or $4 million a season. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to be able to get away with that. With, no, I don't think so Carter either. Hart. But I think they're going to use that as a negotiation tactic and be like, hey, let's let's get you in at five or six for a few years. And, and, and five or six I think would be fair for a, for a goaltender at, you know, he'll be, what, 23 at that point. But And, and really, in reality, he has played in... 74 games in the regular season total and 14 in the playoffs which but those 14 games in the playoffs he looked great yeah, he did <laughs> so um okay so who else on the flyers uh what what are you looking for them to do this off season uh, in terms of like what what should they bring in 
I wouldn't mind again, and mostly Justin Braun's probably gone. Yeah, probably gone. I mean, you could go out and get a veteran defensive defenseman type guy, maybe like a Trevor Daly, somebody who you can bring in for you know one or two million dollars, uh, give you some reliable minutes on the back end. Um, but I'm also looking at hopefully them bringing in some scoring because that's what we're ultimately they suffered the most was their depth on the wings, right? So they had the centers to do it. So you go out and you find yourself, you know. That's what I mean. That's what JVR is supposed to do, right? I, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe if you're not going to go spend, you know, money on high end talent, but maybe you go out and you find a guy like, like a Tyler Ennis, or um, you know, maybe a Tyler Toffoli would look pretty good on this Flyers team. Yeah, or maybe you try to go poach Derek Broussard, who just you know beat you and. You know, ask yeah. him to come play too because he looked pretty dang good in that series. Or maybe you go even a little further and go to you know uh, Colorado and Nemestikov, and maybe you take a flyer on him and see if you know he pans out yeah. if he can get another chance. But yeah, those are those are good thoughts. Uh, the other side of it is they've got eight. Basically, we'll say they've got nine million dollars in in cap space. Here's the guys they need to resign. They need a goalie. They've got one more year of Carter Hart on his ELC, but Brian Elliott is a is a UFA, so you're gonna have to bring in some goalie, uh, probably for something similar around two million bucks. Yeah, you can bring Br- Elliott back. I, okay, so, there, yeah. so there, but there's two million bucks. Sure. So now we're down to seven. Now we've got seven million, and you need to resign Robert Hag and Philip Myers, Nolan Patrick. Who I mean, Nolan Patrick hasn't been been great. I think you're you know you're probably gonna give him three million. Three. Two maybe, <laughs> yeah. I don't. He is probably the biggest, the weirdest contract, right? Like, right. It's he's almost like uh, Sam Bennett in Calgary. Like he just never panned out. He's like been a thirty point guy, and that's kind of who is that? Where he's going to stay, or is he going to get better? Uh, I mean, at thirty points a year, yeah, you're that's that's probably about right. Three million bucks. You're probably just trying to sign a, a bridge deal, three million for two years. Maybe three? No, you're going two years. Three million for two years, I think, is probably what you're you're looking for. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then see if you can't have some fifty point seasons and become a five million dollar guy or something. But uh, and then at the same time, yeah. So you got you got all three of those guys, and you have to find another defenseman. Probably like you're going to lose Justin Bronze, and you got to figure out something on on that side. Now you do have Morgan Frost. Coming up through the pipeline, who, who looks like he'll he'll be pretty he could good be a player, yeah. So that those are the biggest things is that the Flyers really don't have much wiggle room at all. No, and that's yeah. so another one I I was thinking of too, and maybe a good way to, to get you a million million and a half bucks in savings is flipping JVR for another bad contract, right? Like a Neil Lucic kind of thing. And you look at and one place I looked at was um, yeah, but National is it Predators really that bad of a of a contract? I, I don't mean, know. Well. Yeah, I think for it's a bad contract. But. 20, uh, 27 and 19, he's got 46 goals. I mean, yeah, in the, in the two years that he's been there. But I think maybe you need a shakeup. You need something to, to stir the pot. And so maybe I look at a team like Nashville who could use another stirrup as well. And so maybe you say, hey, you know, let's let's flip Turris for, for JVR, right? Because Nashville wouldn't mind. Do you think mind. that JVR is on the same level as Kyle Turris? Because I don't. Oh, I don't think so at all. But I think I Kyle Turris is, 
he's shown you know those flashes that he could still be a, a he's, decent he's guy. He's also got an extra year on his deal. He does, yeah, absolutely. On top of, uh, on top of him. But by then, hopefully, you know, again, the cap's a little bit higher. Uh, and then the, now you have a guy to play third-line center minutes and can move up and down the lineup a little bit if needed. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's a, a short-term solution to a problem for a guy who's making $7 million-plus. Yeah, he. I mean, if you can find somebody who's willing to take it all on, uh, which I, I, there's got to be some team, especially maybe teams like an like an Arizona who is about to kind of lose some. Uh, yeah, they're right up against the cap talent. though too. So, Oof. and uh, I mean the other guy, the other obvious looks are like, you know, can you maybe deal a Scott Lawton, you know, like someone who's who's deeper down in your lineup at at two point three million. I know it's not as big of a savings, but uh, you you could move someone like that to to grab that extra few million that you need to to do something else but yeah it'll be i, I mean it's those guys at the top and you can't you're not going to move Giroux. he's got a no move clause so that's probably not going to happen uh but voracek voracek to me is the guy i'm i'm looking at you want to shake up trade jacob voracek that would be a big shake up yeah that would be and then you're relieving yourself of eight point two five million for the next four years. Now, are you going to get a Jacob Vorchek back? No, absolutely not. I think you might have to eat a couple million bucks out of that too. But still, maybe, yeah, maybe. If you can get a young player that maybe you know you can take you know a chance on, maybe like uh, you know, for instance, like an Anthony Duclair, right? A, t- a guy that got moved around a lot, didn't really you know produce as well as most people thought he would then he found the right spot and then yeah. all of a sudden he blew up so maybe you try to find that kind of player yeah sure i'm sure every team would love to find that right. kind of player <laughs> uh, that's always ideal uh, okay let's take these three teams and we'll start with the flyers because we're we're here right now what do the flyers do next year like are they categorize them as far as you know are they a stanley cup contender again are they are they like take a step back take a step forward what's what's your thought yeah i i see them right a middling team like a five six type you know spot that they're going to compete for i think because again the metro um you know what the penguins maybe do this offseason will kind of dictate that you know the rangers are getting better uh you know carolina we're hoping they get better too and you know maybe new jersey can finally get it together in a couple years but next year i think they're going to compete you know that three four spot in that division and ultimately maybe finish in like a, a six seven five spot Okay. All right. So you think they take a step back for the most part? I don't know if I want to call it a step back, but uh, because you know, they had were they the not... second place team in the division, right? Ending the season, yeah. They had they were just so hot those last twenty five games, and so I think if if you if you stretch it out over the course of the year and maybe you know what they did before those twenty five games, I think that's more realistic of the Flyers team you're going to get next year. I see. To me, I would say you're going to get a better Van Riemsdyk. Carter Hart's going to get better. Provorov is stepping into becoming one of the best defensemen in the NHL, like a top 15, top 20 defenseman. And Sanheim's getting better. Uh, I, I think you're, you've are you got enough players who are kind of on the rise for this team that they're going to be right around the same spot. Like they'll be top three in that Metro. I, I And frankly, I mean, Pittsburgh really was top three in that in that division like that division yeah. is so tight uh, but i would say when i look at the islanders i keep going how is this team not gonna like this <laughs> it's team, hard to keep having faith in them they they aren't gonna i just don't see how they can get 
how they're not going to get worse next year. I don't know. Like the, those types of teams don't usually last as long. The teams where it's like, wow, that team's just so well coached, and they're almost like Nashville was maybe five years ago, where you're uh-huh. like, ah, oh, this team's just so well coached, and they, which ironically they had Barry Trotz at some point, maybe a little before that, but right, uh, but <laughs> they don't have a lot of star players. But they've got some. They've got nice pieces. They've got guys who can play, and now it's a matter of like you know, and. I guess they have Matthew Barzell, which is a slight step up and on Josh Bailey. You could throw him in there too. Nashville or has, but I mean, Nashville has had Philip Forsberg and PK Subban, who in the island at the time was yeah. very good. There, I mean, there's there are a lot of similarities to me, and it's just a team that doesn't seem super st- sustainable because you don't have that really high end player that can just you can just ride them for the next ten years, right? Take over the game and. Yeah, I mean, I, I Outside see that. Outside of Barzell, maybe. Yeah, I see that. and But at the same time, too, I, I look at a team like Philly, right? And they're poised for, for the future, too, because they've got good goaltending and they've yep. got a great coach. Yeah. So you have those two things. You can kind of make everything else work. And, I mean, look. The Which Islanders is why I think it, so. that the Flyers <laughs> are more likely to kind of finish a little higher next, okay. next year as well. Uh, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. I think they might be the most. Like, they could improve, but they could also go backwards. <laughs> the, yeah, that Pacific is a weird one because the man the yeah outside of Vegas, I don't have a lot of faith in any other team finishing high in that division. Yeah, I mean, but San Jose could come back next year and win the division. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, could, and Edmonton we... could fall back to what they were the year before, and McDavid and Drysaddle could be great, but they could still shit the bed. So. Sure, yeah, sure, absolutely. I, I I think when you look at it from a whole, I you know you look at Calgary. I, I think Calgary's going to take a step back. I agree. Uh, sounds like they might even lose Goudreau. And, I think they're going to shake things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And I, I, I don't see this team them moving forward. Arizona, I think that they're right where they are. They're just always going to be that middling team. Anaheim's not going to get a whole lot better. Neither are the Kings. San Jose's the one team that could step forward. <laughs> I would expect them to be better than sixty-three points in seventy games. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but Vancouver, I think is. I think they're poised to be top three in this division again next year. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, who was the last team? Colorado. 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 Yeah. Finished second in their division, and uh, the ceiling is the limit, right? Like, Yeah, I think they only get better. I think they're just going to compete for that, that number one spot in this division because, again, like we looked at the team in front of them, St. Louis – Right, they're they got to deal with Tarasenko's injury. They might have to move some guys. They might not have Peter Angelo back. So we don't really know where they're going to be next year in terms of a roster for the whole season. And assuming that Colorado stays healthy, you know, depending on what they do this offseason in terms of splashing in the free agent market yeah. with all that money they have, and uh, you know, maybe if they go out and get another goaltender, they could easily take the top spot in that division. Yeah, they need to be careful with all that extra money. Yeah, because they do, but they they have they are in a luxury where they're paying their top guys so little. and But you've got one more year left of Landis Cog not making much money, one more year left of Makar on his ELC, one more year left of not paying a goalie very much. So I, I think this next year, it it's going to be seen as like this is the year for Colorado because they can really, they could bring in anyone they want. Right. They could pay Taylor Hall 12 million bucks for one year. You could, yeah. You very well could, you know, and bring in a guy and just sign him and and see what you can do for one year. You could do that. You could sign anyone for one year. Imagine signing Petrangelo for a year at twelve Stop. million bucks. 
that would be sick to pair him and with Kale McCart or ten million for one year. Would you do it? Uh, maybe not, but <laughs> maybe not still. if you're Petrangelo. All right, well, there is our show, and uh, you know, uh, let's just give quick, quick predictions on these upcoming series: okay. Islanders, Islanders, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Where Where do you stand with them? I mean, Tampa Bay was my Stanley Cup pick, so Got I'm sticking stick with them. them. Uh, I don't think it's going to go seven, though. I think it's going to be five. It's going to be rather short. Okay, Tam- Tampa. Did all this without Stamkos. Right. And they might not and have Kucherov either, which is another like, big thing to sounds consider. Sounds like Stamkos is coming back. but Yeah. So it's it's risky, but I think because if they get into a scoring match, right, I think Tampa's still got the depth to do it. And I still think, you know, because they've got, you know, Barclay, they got those Goudreau guys yeah. that can grind too, and they can play that good defensive system if they need to. And they've got the best goaltender in the, the playoffs still yeah. at this point. So oh, this, this Islanders team is like a much better Columbus Sure. Really? Yeah. A better, like, just as well coached. You know, I'd say Tortorella and, and Trotz are some of the best in the game. Very, very well coached teams. But the Islanders have much more depth offensively. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, sure. I think the Islanders upset and go to the Stanley Cup wow. final. First time since 83. Okay. Yeah, so okay. That's, uh, or maybe, oh no, 80, 84, right? They lost to the Oilers. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. But still. I think the Islanders are going to beat the Lightning. Okay, wow. I really do. That would be that would be crazy because, I mean, look, we nobody picked the Islanders or even Dallas no. to make it this far. So it's just it's crazy the way everything's panned out. And so at, at this point, twenty twenty would not shock me at all. I I would. It would just. I want to see that. If Tampa did lose, though, it. it would make for a fun offseason because I guarantee they would be in for a big shakeup too. So yeah, yeah, that would be fun. I I. I can see the way that Dallas can play uh, and get great goaltending. And we saw what happened against with Vegas and Vancouver when Vancouver got great goaltending. It didn't matter what Vegas did. They could take shots from everywhere, and they just could not put a puck in the net for a right. while. The difference is, like, da- Dallas has some I, – I, they have an ability to score at times. They, they can make it happen. They, and they have much deeper defense – they're much better, like top to bottom, and Radulov looks like an MVP candidate right now. Uh, it would, it'll be fun. I think that series is going to be very interesting. I think it'll be more fun than the Tampa Islanders. Like as much as I, I want Tampa to win because I think that it's a better final if the offensive team, sure. high octane one, makes it through. Uh, but the Islanders, I don't like watching them, but I think they could win. Uh, but Dallas. I don't know if they can hold back Vegas when when push comes to shove. Vegas has proven that their backs can be up against the wall and they they'll still get it done. I mean, you didn't watch that Vancouver series and think Vancouver was ever going to win, right. even when Vancouver is winning. You're just like, like six it, shots through the third fine. period and they're still zero zero. I mean, like it'll be fine. Vegas is going to win. You, I knew watching that game, Vegas is just going to win. The, yeah, <laughs> it's too much. You can't give up that kind of offense and expect to win those games. Yeah. Yeah, Dallas will make it interesting. I I absolutely agree. And it's great because they've been getting scoring depth-wise from places like you wouldn't expect it, right? Guys would just show up, be amazing. I mean, look, the guy who, I can't remember his name, but or how to pronounce it, Kirianov or, man, who came in for game seven for Andrew Cogliano, came in, scores a hat trick, right? They just, they get that depth scoring at the time when they need it, and that's why they've been able to go so far. The difference is, I think, Vegas 
their depth top from bottom has been producing the way we expected it to, been producing at the rate yeah. we wanted yeah. it to. And while, yeah, Demko was great, you know, and really did a, did a number on them, you know, statistical-wise, where they probably could have scored, you know, four or five goals each game, but those guys still went out and showed up and played their game. They didn't deviate. They still managed to be as effective as you would expect them to be. The difference is Dallas can actually play defense. Vancouver sure. wasn't playing defense. They just weren't any good against right. Vegas. They were overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, uh, but ultimately, I think because you're not seeing, and maybe this is the time for a guy like Tyler Sagan, you know, these guys to step up their stars who haven't been, you know, dominating games on a consistent basis. If they can do that, they have a shot at beating Vegas. But ultimately, I just think guys like Mark Stone, Pacioretty, they've just been playing too good for too long. Shea Theodore looks like, you know, he could be an MVP candidate at this point, much like Miro Heiskanen has. Um, and then, you know, Robin Leonard could potentially take over a game at any point too, much like Kudobin can. I mean, he's sure. been phenomenal too. And who knows, maybe they go to Bishop at some point too. But um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see who they go into. Yeah, if Kivi Ranta turns out to be like that was his coming out party and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's good because <laughs> I, I I tend to think that it's just a nice little story and that it, it won't continue. Uh, had what one goal in the regular season his whole career and he's a hat trick in game seven. Right. That's just that's not going to continue. Uh, and I don't think that like Tyler Sagan with two goals in 15 games, he's got seven points. He's going to be better. He's gonna have to. He's gonna. He's gonna have to. Uh, I. I am very pleasantly surprised with how well Joe Pavelski's been playing. Yeah, uh, and, he I, and, I, and Corey I, really, Perry. I think that'll continue. So I. This series is so tight. It's so tough to call. Uh, man, I think this one goes seven. Personally, I. I do too. I think it goes uh. seven again, and I don't know. Who, I don't know who I. I know who I want to win, in terms of watching. A great Stanley Cup final. It's Tampa, Vegas, uh, but I I do have an affinity for for Jim Nil, and I I'm I'm just going to be rooting for for the Stars. Okay, uh, but yeah, love well, Jim Nil. So so I guess with Stars Islanders. Wow, weird Stanley Cup final. But then at the same time, we could get the, the two big boys yeah. in the finals. Uh, and I I don't know who to pick. Yeah, whenever it's I'm such I'm, a hard pick. <laughs> I know. Whenever I'm stuck, I I just look at goaltending, right? Because that's my position. That's what I love. And so, um, whoever I like better in net is ultimately going to be my pick. And because I love Robin Leonard, and even if that's Robin Leonard faints, you got another great goalie right, right behind him. But I th- still like Flurry better and, than. And will Ben Bishop come back? There's another question. Yeah. It's possible. I, I know that they're talking about he that he might be able to return, but yeah, we'll see. Do you do you go away from Kudobin? If he comes back, no, I think you keep riding Kudobin until he falters. He's he's not going to play in game one. We know that, but uh, but there is a chance that he he comes back. So yeah, Leonard Kudobin game one. Just keep riding him. All right. So all right, there you have it. Uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you guys later in the week. Uh, enjoy Labor Day and all that comes with it. Hopefully, my wife will be in labor on Labor Day. That would be that would be exciting. That'd be fun. Her due date was yesterday, so tomorrow's Monday, Labor Day. So let's hope it's that. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk and uh, enjoy your holiday weekend.